Hello, this is Sadie Gardner, and this is Trafficked, and today I have Shannon Ellingson as my co-host. If you want to introduce yourself and the subject you picked and maybe why you picked it. Uh, hi, I'm Shannon. Uh, I picked this topic because I had heard it on Crime Junkie, and I thought that it seemed kind of like a trafficking situation, but maybe not in a way that we had talked about before on here. Yeah, so and who are we doing? We're doing Sylvia Likens, mm -hmm. and it seems like she was in kind of an indentured servitude kind yeah, of I totally position. Agree. I think she's definitely an indentured servant and totally enslaved by the end of it. So I am excited that you picked it, even though it's really heavy. It's really heavy. So we it's have ample great. wine, and we're going to get through it. But um, I don't exactly, I, I wouldn't pick this episode as your first listen, or just like, if you're having a great day, maybe save this for a rainy <laughs> one. I don't know. I just don't want to ruin your, your mood, because it's not going to um, cheer you up. Okay. So to begin, I have a picture of just Sylvia. Also, her middle name is Marie, which oh, is like cute. Me. Yeah, like me. it's just like oh, you. Oh, you, you don't need to know that. You know my full name now. It's, it's great. It's fine. It's great. It's fine. Don't stop. But you guys have the same middle name, which is precious. Look at her. She's the just little flipped out bangs. I love the moment. Yes, she's beautiful. Okay. So, January 3rd, 1949, Lester and Elizabeth Likens had their third child, Sylvia Marie Likens. Two years earlier, her parents had a set of twins that they named Diana and Daniel, which is just precious. Like, I really I love it when they go together. I know. Okay. When Sylvia was one, her mom gave birth to a second set of twins. Guess what they were named? Oh, shoot. I don't know. Are they matchy-matchy? Jenny and Benny. <laughs> it's just <laughs> precious. Okay. Jenny had a leg brace on one of her legs from polio, so Sylvia really embraced her role not only as big sister but caretaker because she mm -hmm. was an angel. Love that. So in 1965, Sylvia's 16 and gorgeous. She had long, wavy brown hair and a radiant, quirky smile. Um, an incident with one of her brothers ended in her losing one of her front teeth, and her family's nickname for her was Cookie. Oh! So, <laughs> she babysat to earn money, and she was known to take Jenny roller skating by putting a rollerblade on her able foot and holding her hand on the other side so she could skate with other kids. That's so sweet! She was an angel. So... Maybe a sip of wine. Okay, let's go. We're going to make it. So in 1965, Betty and Lester separate. Or Elizabeth. Yeah, sorry. Elizabeth and Betty. She switched it up on us. Gotcha. Okay, so they split up. And we know that Lester and Betty had a rocky marriage. And by the time Sylvia was 16, they moved 14 times for their job because they worked the concession stands at circuses. Okay. So definitely an on-the-road occupation. Got it. Got it. They always kind of were tight financially, and Sylvia and her siblings frequently were boarded out or forced to live with relatives while parents were on the road. Okay. So after the separation, Lester and the boys either were working in the circus together or they got sent to the grandparents. All we know is that the, the girls ended up, Sylvia and Jenny, living with their mom in Indianapolis. Okay. Side note, older sis, Diana, got married at like 18. She was making she's it on her own. Yeah, she was kind of trying to do the adult thing. So she's it. not really, she's around, but she's not one of the dependents, if you will. Okay. So Sylvia meets Paula and Stephanie Benzowski at Arsenal Technical High School in the spring of 1965. And on June 3rd, Sylvia's mom's arrested for shoplifting. Okay. And because the girls seem to get along, the dad comes in and basically makes a deal with the devil, Gertrude Zinzowski, <laughs> the girl's moms. And um, she just was the worst. Okay, yeah. so we're going to like introduce. I saw a picture of her and I was like, oh no. 
Oh, she's no. like evil reincarnate, I think. Yeah. I'm not. She looks like Carla Deville, lightly. like, and I'm not. And she's 37 in those photos. Yeah. She looks not 37. Okay, so like I said, even though she's only 37, she looks significantly older due to a combination of poor life choices, chronic resting, like resting veg face. <laughs> And, like, one of the comments was that she had notably poor hygiene, which I just oh. don't appreciate at all. No. Already a, it's a no-go for me. So they come to the agreement that Lester can send $20 a week to feed and house Sylvia and Jenny. That's so and, uh, Oh, different time. Different, different time. time. 1965. Yep. Fair, though. And uh, Lester thought that sounded cool, and so did Gertrude, because her sole source of income was intermittent child support payments for her seven biological children that were about uh, to unpack. I'm sure that's really easy to live off of. So, let's start unpacking this nightmare. So, okay. Gertrude promised Lester... She was single, right? She didn't have a... Yeah, she, okay. so at 37, she's single. Gotcha. So, she promises Lester to take care of his daughters like they're her own. And um, she was born on September 19th, 1928. She was the third of six kids. Oh, middle when, child. Mm-hmm. Yes. You kind of relate. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so when she's 11, she sees her dad die of a heart attack. So oh, not that's an a easy childhood. Absolutely. At 16, she drops out of high school and marries 18-year-old deputy John Stephen Benzowski. When Did I say she was 16? Yeah. Okay. Well, she's 16. They had four kids. They had Paula, Stephanie, John, and Shirley. Mm-hmm. John was physically abusive, the husband, and after 10 years, Gertrude divorces him. So she's Good. like, yeah, she says get the hell out. Weeks later, she marries Edwin Guthrie, who's Three also- weeks later? Just weeks later. We don't even know. Oh. We just know it's like a very brief, short period of time. Okay. You can have a rebound. Don't marry, marry him. him. <laughs> don't marry him. With the love of God, don't marry him. Okay, but she does. She marries Edward Guthrie, and he's also abusive, so they divorce oh. within a year. So, okay. Good. Choices. Good. She remarries OG husband John. Yep. Well, you got away. Why are you going back? I don't. I have no idea. They have two more kids, Marie and James, um, before divorcing again in 1963. I assume for similar reasons. Probably. Probably. I can't imagine this changed every night. So at 34, she meets 22-year-old Dennis Lee Wright. and that couple had a son, Dennis Lee Wright Jr. in 1965. And that's when Dennis abandons Gertrude and her now seven children. Okay. I wouldn't want to hang out with her either. I'm not going to lie about it. Seven kids. She doesn't take care of herself. She smells. Yeah. It's hard to what get What do around. the kids smell like if she smells bad? I don't even want to know. But, like, they never are sticky. I would like to start that already. That I think all of the children that were subjected to her presence were already traumatized enough and they didn't deserve what happened i think they're they need to be held accountable for their actions but like really cannot i feel bad for baby you i don't feel bad for you who's old enough to make a decision i wholeheartedly agree i do feel bad for the kids though in our household yes not for gertrude but for the kids who were unfortunate enough to like be born to her so she files a paternity suit against dennis and it never succeeds but she really doesn't want the neighborhood knowing that junior was born out of wedlock so she's calls herself like Mrs. Wright, even though there was never a marriage and that's like not a thing. But she tells everybody it was. Okay. So that's where we have. So now at 37, she's jaded a chain smoker and a single mom. She's paying $55 a month for a tiny town, a tiny town for a tiny house in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh Uh-huh. So when Sylvia and Jenny first moved in, everything was kind of nice. And when I say everything, 
This story takes place from June to October. It is so fast. It's very short. So yeah. short. I didn't realize that. It's insane. Okay, wow. so when they first move in, things are nice. I think that could mean like a week. A week of peace. <laughs> the girls sing with like Paula and Stephanie and they like talk about boys and it kind of seems like for a little bit it's gonna work out. They're gonna have this like camaraderie thing and they're gonna they're gonna get through it. They're similar ages. Yeah, like they are. They totally are. Yeah. So the neighborhood was bustling and social, and the Benzowski house had an open door policy, so neighborhood kids filtered in and out like all the time. Oh lord. It's kind of how I grew up, so I yeah. like it. I really do. That doesn't mean I condone any of this though, because very different lives. Yeah. I think the kids probably gravitated towards the house because it lacked all, like Gertrude lacked all maternal instincts. It's like a fun house to go to. It's a fun, bad house to go yeah, to. Yeah, There's yeah. no supervision. She lets the kids and teenagers smoke, drink, and talk about sex. For the record, I don't think talking about sex is taboo and wrong. Obviously, no. Um, but she would talk about violent fantasies and even encourage the neighborhood boys to like explore their volatile fetishes. I don't think that's so great. I'm gonna draw a line there. I don't like that. No. So. Especially an adult telling you that that's okay. Yeah, I not hate all of that. We're not setting us these kids up for success. So to add to Gertrude's stress, her 17-year-old daughter Paula is pregnant by a guy who's married to somebody else. Oh, Lord. Okay. So we're thriving, truly. Wow. Sylvia and Jenny shared a bedroom with 11-year-old Marie, 10-year-old Shirley, and 8-year-old Jenny. They had a single mattress on the floor where the five took turns sleeping. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, Lester never knew any of this because he never really visited the house. He just sent his daughters to live there. That seems like shitty parent, Chuck. Yeah, I'm not happy <laughs> with him at all. You could, I don't know. Throughout any of this. I feel like I don't have children, don't really want children, but like not I feel like, like if I did, I'd be like, who the hell are you? What do you, like, what are your qualifications to be around my child? For real, I think I'd at least be like, hey, can I walk through your living room? Like, are there bugs here? I don't know. I think I'd have some questions. Anyway. Do you have more than one mattress for my child? Is there a bed for every kid? I don't know. Not only were there not enough beds, there was a hot plate where the stove should have been. There were only three spoons in the entire kitchen that they Aww. all took turns washing. And there was no reason for that. Gertrude was just... She's just worst. being stingy and a mean, like, in a not a nice way. I just... Whatever her reasons, we'll probably never know. Like, we can speculate. I yeah. just will never understand yeah, why any so. of this was an appropriate thing for her to do. Fair enough. Anyway. So she agrees to st- agrees to take the Lycan sisters in because without the $20 weekly from Lester, she thought she could, couldn't possibly feed them all and make rent without really giving any thought to the fact that now she added two, two more, more bodies to, to all of these things. Um, and so when the very first, well, I guess the second, Lester paid in advance when they first moved in, so she was happy. I guess that's why the first week was peaceful. I say mm-hmm. with quotation marks. I'm really yeah. hesitant to say peaceful. Yeah. Because, again, sharing mattress. But, um... The next week, the payment doesn't show up on the right time, and Gertrude flies into a rage. She loses it. So she drags Jenny upstairs and whips her with a leather belt and tells her, well, I took care of you two bitches for a week for nothing. But you were paid for that. Also, don't hit a child. Well, yes, I totally wholeheartedly agree. I think at this point, we're under the impression that, like, I guess, let's assume Lester paid the Sunday before, so, like, the next Sunday has passed, it's, like, the Monday. 
So now she's mad at them because like week two has started and like she doesn't have money for week two, if you will. Oh. Not ta- I'm not excusing any of this. No, she's getting like that. Yeah. Um, so the very next day, the fucking money arrives. <laughs> Literally the next day. Oh my God. It's in the mail. She jumped the gun. She just is a monster. Yes. Yeah. So their dad also comes to visit a few days later and will like never really know why his daughters didn't tell him about what she like Gertrude is doing. Well, they were probably terrified. Yeah. So I said, um, they probably hoped it was a one-time thing, first of all. But also like if your dad sent you there, could you imagine like, like I feel like, like upsetting that. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. Cause my second point is like, I'm sure they didn't want to cause any trouble for their already tumultuous living situation. Yeah. Their family was kind of falling apart. And yeah. I definitely relate to like the daughter not wanting to upset parents and already going through like a thing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, especially if their mom was incarcerated and their dad was like still trying to work. Anyway, we'll never know why they didn't, but the girls didn't tell their dad when he visited the first time. Yeah. So the next attack was directed solely at Sylvia. Um, after Gertrude, quote, caught her recycling pop cans, end quote, for cash. Why is that a big deal? Because she thought, like, she would accuse her of stealing. She would give the recycled cans, get a couple, like, like very little change for them, and then she would buy candy. I and did so, that as a kid. I know, me too. And then Gertrude would find her with the candy and be like, you stole oh, this. And she was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> so, ultimately, she's punished for having candy and being a child. Gertrude hits her repetitively with a quarter-inch wooden paddle, oh. aiming for her back and head. Oh, so a violent yeah. attack. Like we are no longer talking. Like the first wasn't acceptable, but we're escalating. Yeah, we're escalating. Um, trigger warning again for all of this. I will really try to check in and let you guys know it's horrific throughout. But just in case you guys like think there's a break coming, <laughs> there probably isn't. Um, we'll take a sip to that. Here we go. So, when Gertrude is too weak to beat Sylvia, due to chronic bronchitis, her daughter Paula filled in. Oh. Um, likely due the to- The 17-year-old pregnant one? Uh-huh. I love it. Yeah. Lovely. So, likely due to Ginny's disability, Sylvia became the focus of all the physical abuse in the house, and this is by August now. Okay. So Gertrude and her daughters, mainly Paula, resented Sylvia, the accuser of being a slut and a whore, until Sylvia's broken down and admitted she couldn't be because she actually has a boyfriend in California. Aww. Yes. In response to this, Gertrude and Paula accused Sylvia of being pregnant. Trigger warning. You can't go anywhere, and I'm sorry about that, Shannon. That's that sucks for you. But for anybody not listening. Um, Gertrude and Paula kicked her repetitively in the stomach and in the vaginal area. And oh. this is a this is a pattern that's going to keep coming to get rid of the supposed baby that's not even there, or just to punish her. I think entirely she's being subjected to just like she's being abused for everything that makes her feminine. I think they're focusing oh, on see. her crotch, they're focusing on her outward appearances, and she's yeah. completely becoming like the epitome of clearly everything wrong with these other people. Yeah. Um. I wonder if it's a bit like resenty, like, hey, Paula had a baby, Paula didn't want a baby, Paula's doing this. I, it has, it can't be that far off. Yeah, it I really feel like it has be. to do something along that line. Okay. Um, pushing through this stuff, Gertrude starts starving Sylvia and stalking her movements outside of the house and punishing her whenever she looks for food. Aww. 
Sylvia was starving and foraging in dumpsters because she wasn't getting food in the house where she was being paid to live in and being fed. But um, Gertrude, Paula, and the neighborhood kid named Landy Leper forced her to eat a hot dog with every condiment and spice they could find. And when Sylvia threw up from being forced to eat it, they made her eat her own vomit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. It's just... That's so sad and so upsetting. Horrific. Um, again, Sylvia and Ginny experienced all of these traumatic things between June, July, and August. Was so, Jenny being starved too, or just Sylvia? I don't think nearly... They just left kind of Jenny alone? Yeah. Okay. They make it sound like there was a serious switch in the early stages of the abuse where Sylvia became a subject of it all. Okay. Um, when Jenny and Sylvia had to go to school, Gertrude came up with new ways to punish Sylvia since the summer had ended and mm-hmm. she didn't have control of her all day anymore. Um, so when all the kids came home, Gertrude accused Sylvia of spreading rumors at school that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes. Oh. Gertrude made this claim in front of all of her kids and the neighborhood kids, so she really played into the whole high school. Hostile environment. Yeah. Which is just the worst. I can't imagine, first of all, being experiencing that at school for your peers. And then you go home. To come home to the place where you're supposed to be able to unwind and just be, like, okay for a little bit. It's just, no. Nope. Didn't for me. Trigger warning once more. Stephanie's 15-year-old boyfriend, Koi. Koi Hubbard. Koi Koi fish? Exactly. Okay. So, in response to this public accusation that Sylvia was calling Stephanie a prostitute, um, the 15-year-old boyfriend assaults Sylvia. Gertrude attacks her verbally while this happens, and Stephanie just watches. <sighs> Next, Sylvia was accused of stealing gym clothes, so Gertrude burnt her fingertips with a lit match while screaming that Sylvia was ruining her life and that she hated her. Get, kick her out of your house, then send her back to her parents. Do anything else. Do literally anything. I don't know. There are so many options. Literally anything else is a better option. I agree. So Gertrude accused Sylvia of being promiscuous, which is very hypocritical, um, we'll move past that, and tells her to never do anything with a boy until she's married. Okay, well she hasn't, so... Again, Sylvia says she isn't promiscuous and she hasn't done anything with boys, which makes Gertrude angrier and ends in Gertrude kicking her between her legs repeatedly. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Again, I would like to just take a moment even if she was promiscuous, not your, your damn fun. business. Nope. Straight up, not your business. Okay, it's not a problem. Also, really, Gertrude, you're gonna give this girl love advice to your fucking daughter? How many pregnant. divorces have you had from the same uh, man? Honestly, I'm back to the thing where I feel like she's taking it out on Sylvia because well, she is. It's just appalling to me that she even thinks she's in any kind of position to be like, yeah. Be like, take my advice. advice. Be like me. Like um, I went back to my abusive husband, and then three weeks later, had two more kids. Had two more kids. So, yeah, this is just the worst part of it. Warning: Don't listen to this if sexual trauma has any effect on you. It's going to be horrible oh, for all of us. Like it's worse. Fast forward, please. If this is not for you, um. Gertrude wasn't done dehumanizing Sylvia. She forced the teenager to strip down naked. Um, Then Gertrude made Sylvia insert a glass Coke bottle into her vagina while the kids all watched and laughed. What? Yeah. What exactly? Why? Why? 
Why? I think that is genuinely the most one of the most horrifying ways you could possibly break a human of their dignity like, yeah. of their humanity. I mean, That's you're literally making them less than you. You're humiliating them. You're letting them know that you call the shots and they don't have anything, especially control over their own selves. Oh, I don't like that. No, okay. it's awful. But that is absolutely a, a form of trafficking. You know what I'm saying? It's Just a form of you not care. being, you're, you're lacking your own ability to control. Autonomous. Yeah. So, oh. On October 5th, Lester checked in with his daughters. Jenny and Sylvia were completely broken down and under total control at this point. And yeah. they still don't tell their dad about anything. At oh. this point, I assume, because they're scared of making it worse. Yeah. Can't even imagine what they're thinking at this point, either. Leading up Je to this... Okay, wait. Does no, Jenny no. know about Sylvia, too? Yeah. She Jenny's, does? Jenny, in all of these situations, is one of the kids watching. Oh! She doesn't have any control either, though. I know. You know what I mean? I, I, I get what you're... I don't know. I don't think. That just makes it hurt worse. Yes, a little bit. Kind of. I don't know. So, leading up to this, Big Sis Diana has actually moved into a house nearby, and Gertrude's banned the girls from seeing their older sister in any form, which is just another way of alienating them and yeah. making them just hers. Paula knew this, and her favorite thing to do was to open the front door and mockingly tell Sylvia to, quote, get away and stay away, end quote, knowing she couldn't leave. Or I didn't have anywhere to go. Like, she knew what she was doing. Ugh. So the next day on October 6th, the day Lester left to go back to work, Gertrude unenrolled Sylvia out of high school. Um, How does she have power to do that? She was her guardian. Oh, the, okay. She told, she tells them Sylvia had no interest and acted like she cared. I assume she literally went in there and just repeated whatever she told them when she was 16. <laughs> Except this time she's looking like a grandmother and going in there like, oh, the 16-year-old that I can't get a grip on is just unruly and won't come to class it's it's horrific it's very yeah. premeditated yeah it is. it's premeditated so sylvia is no longer allowed to live inside of the house once she's unenrolled from school gertrude exiles her to the basement oh that's not fun okay no stephanie's boyfriend coy becomes a repeat attacker um and he likes to body slam her into the concrete floor oh yeah why is he so pissed just because of that rumor? Like, why is he doing that? I cannot imagine. So again, like I said, I do feel for the kids that were around Gertrude, but there are some things I don't think any kids would do regardless no. of. No, like that's not that's an not true. I don't want to say regardless of stimuli. That's bullshit. Like we don't want that. Like but weird you know what I mean? mentality like that. Would yeah. I, I do think there's a special form of um, making, inflicting pain on another person is what I'm trying to say is a different line. Yeah. So like there's things I think you can get like, kind of like persuaded into doing but i think if you're literally causing harm to another person you're that's another level it's crossing another line yeah i think obviously you can and still be under somebody else's control but i don't think he is but i think if you're going he's not every in that day yeah. and you're like hey where can i kick her now you're you're part of the problem you're enjoying this like you he has a chance to get out but he chooses to come back is what I'm yes doing. i agree that's a like he's not one of the kids who's like forced he's like living in the house you're yeah. right so Gertrude catalyzes Coy's sadistic attacks by daring him to tie Sylvia up, and they keep egging each other on to see how much longer they can leave her down there by herself. 
I wonder if she likes it by herself because at least they're not hurting her. I or is that another level I just, like, of like... I can't fathom the terror of those being your choices. Yeah, no, they're There's not even good the choices. Silence. You're just waiting for him to come back. Oh, There's yeah. not, it's not like she's like napping. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Huh. Take another step. <sighs> so, kids in the neighborhood hear about this abuse and basically this show that's happening every week in their own on their own block and uh, those who wanted to see come to see and those who want to participate um, they're instructed step by step from Gertrude herself on how to be a monster Ew. Okay. kids put cigarettes out on Sylvia's skin and they challenge each other to see who can make her scream more oh that's not a fun game that's not a good game again I don't think this is group thing. Yeah, no, this seems like, like, no, not group thing. Paula beat Sylvia so severely once that she broke her own wrist, punching Sylvia's face. Um, and then she- High box her friend, how hard is that to do? I cannot, it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> I have fought since I was five, I'm 22. I cannot fucking imagine Punching someone in the face so many times that I broke my own wrist. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I cannot imagine. Um, she went to go get her wrist fixed, whatever. She bragged about how she did it the whole time. They put a cast on her, and she went home and beat Sylvia with her cast. Oh, casts are fucking hard. They're hard. Yeah. I this everything about that situation makes me want to break. Her she was face telling like the things. doctors and nurses. She's like, oh, I beat this girl so badly. Oh, I'm sure she felt like a badass. Do you? Okay, I will say that. I've met girls in the gym who think <laughs> it's so cool. They'll get in a street fight. They'll have an altercation with somebody smaller than them, weaker than them, and they'll get this sense of self and entitlement, like they can't be touched and that they can fight. Boy. Nothing makes me happier than fighting people with that mentality. Yeah. I can leave it there. (laughs) No, I would be so happy if I got some something to the people who were like... It's just, that's not being able to fight. That's not being able to protect yourself. That's getting off on the fact that you're having a power trip over another human. Absolutely. And if you're one of those people... You're gross. You're disgusting. You need to go to therapy. And if you think finding someone who's tied up is how you're cool, then I would love to fight you myself. Just find me. We'll set it up. I don't even care. Okay. Gertrude takes a needle to Sylvia's abdomen and starts to write an I. Write what? She starts to write like an I, like the letter I. Oh. Um, she gets the neighbor, 15-year-old Richard Hobbs, to complete the sentence because she suddenly can't finish. I'm not That's sure. That's too much. This sure. is where she draws the line. So she gets another kid to do it. She, this, the sentence reads, quote, I am a prostitute and proud of it, end quote. That's a lot. It's a so, lot on a needle. So Gertrude helped this kid spell prostitute. Oh, Oh, that's, I don't know, that somehow makes it's sense. It's just another level of uh, premeditation, disgust, and... There's a special place in hell. Okay, so next, Gertrude asks Richard to heat a metal hook to Brandon S on Sylvia's chest. It turns into more like a number three. Okay. Um, and Gertrude tells Sylvia she'll never be able to get married now. 
that's shitty. Is it, that's not true. Exactly. And branding is absolutely a form of um, breaking somebody down and letting them know that you own them. Yeah. That well, yeah, yeah. All the time. Yeah. But, um, huh, she's, again, a victim of trafficking. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, also imagine getting branded and then having your own abuser who branded you against your will tell you that now you're unlovable. Yeah. Because of something that you had no say in. It's just so traumatic. Yes. So Sylvia basically says, I guess there's nothing I can do. And um, Koi comes back and ties her to the wall, crushes her with his body over and over again. And um, finally, when she gets a moment alone with Jenny, she tells her little sister through tears that she knows she's going to die. Like, she can tell. Oh. So uh, tragically, Sylvia's right. Her body starts breaking down and she loses control of her limbs. Just that day or starting, like, after that, like, pretty soon after yeah, I imagine from just not eating, oh, incredibly yeah. beat up yeah. Yeah. every day, and uh, how does she die quickly after saying that? Yes. So oh, again, okay. So this was sometime between September and October. Okay. So gotcha. like a quick turnaround. So Gertrude gives Sylvia a lukewarm bath and forces her to write the following letter. Super weird, before we get into it, Gertrude and Paula make Sylvia scrap the whole dear mom and dad line, which is normal, I would think. And they make her, because the point of this entire force letter is to make an alternative story for Sylvia's markings and scars of the abuse that she's endured for a summer. Yeah. Um, so to make it more believable, they say, don't start it with dear mom and dad, start it with two Mr. and Mrs. Likens. No, that, that, I would never call my parents that. I would never. Can you imagine getting a letter from your kid that's like, Dear, dear, Miss, dear Miss Ellingson, I've gone <laughs> missing. Don't worry about it. Like, I would be horrified. My mom would be like, that's not Shannon. No. all the F-bombs? Literally. Where's oh everything God, in this? My mom would be like, she didn't cuss once into the troops. No. This is not her. She didn't misspell a word. So they make her write the following letter. To Mr. and Mrs. Likens. I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night, and they said they would pay me. I would give them something, so I got in the car, and they all got what they wanted. And when they got finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach, quote, I am a prostitute and proud of it, quote. I have done just about everything that I could to do to just make Gertie mad and cause Gertie more money than she's got. I tore up a new mattress and no child would say that though. No, no one would be introspective enough to be like, absolutely no kid would say. Also, I was a terror for the babysitter. No one would say that ever. No, no kid would. The letter continues. I tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I also cost Gertie doctor bills that she can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all her kids. Didn't she start bedwetting because she was beat so much? She lost control of her body. Yeah. Yeah, That's literally a form of just dying. Yeah. Oh, okay. That night, Sylvia hears Gertrude and her kids making plans to dump her body in the woods. Sylvia tried to run away, but Gertrude immediately catches her and drags her inside and attempts to force feed her toast. Sylvia is too weak to eat, and Gertrude responds by hitting her in the face with a curtain rod. And her son, John, who's 13, mind you, mm-hmm. he's 13, yeah. um, drags Sylvia back to the basement. He ties her wrist to the to a bar in the basement railing so that her toes can only barely graze the ground. Uh. Gertrude shoves crackers on Sylvia's throat, and um, Sylvia tells her she's not hungry and she should try feeding them to the dog. John and Gertrude proceed to force 
the baby's diapers down Sylvia's throat. <laughs> yeah. What is it? It's just another form of humiliation and dehumanization. They were dirty diapers? Mm-hmm. Uh. So on October 25th, Gertrude, Coy, and John were assaulting Sylvia until she lost consciousness after Gertrude stomps on her head. And when Sylvia comes to, she screams and bangs on the walls, hoping that somebody and like literally anybody can come help her, but nobody can. Oh. So the morning of October 26, 1965, Gertrude and Stephanie bathe Sylvia, and during her bath, Sylvia stops breathing. Gertrude panics because this meant they were about to be caught red-handed, and Gertrude drags Sylvia's fragile body to a mattress and screams at Stephanie to perform CPR and John to call 911. When police arrived, Gertrude hands them the bullshit letter Sylvia wrote and says Sylvia recently oh ran God. away and returned clutching the note and quote unquote injured. I feel like you could tell that it wasn't just an isolated incident like that too. Like the fucking nerve of her to be like, I so oh. agree. We're like, hi, you stupid ass police officers. I'm so much smarter than you. But she this She's this. just so freaking stupid. You're right. This literally highlights her stupid like a narcissist yes absolutely so she claims she's hella concerned and that she was doctoring her back to health when she stopped breathing suddenly uh-huh. <sighs> okay i'm gonna take a step before this next part because um <laughs> it gets worse it's so it's she's bad. gone she doesn't stop start breathing again yeah so we're gonna talk about everything that we learned after the fact and i just need to take a drink for this girl and her strength and the brutality she endured I just don't have a lot wow. to say else. Okay. Here we go. Although Sylvia was never able to get help, her body tells police and medical examiners every physical trauma oh, she's, okay, there we go. <laughs> she's lived through. Her lips are practically chewed through. All oh. ten fingernails are broken and bent backwards. Oh, uh, yeah, that was uh, my reaction too. Uh, I know. Like if you put your jeans on wrong and you bend it. Like- I scream when that <laughs> happens. I full on scream. Oh, I all like ten. A now. Literally all ten. Her body's covered in hundreds of wounds in various stages of healing, which suggest long-term ongoing trauma and abuse. Um, Dr. Charles Ellis determines that Sylvia's cause of death is torture. Yeah. Yeah. When the police started interviewing the family, they start with Jenny. In front of Gertrude, Jenny repeated the story that she's given, but she adds at the end, quote, if you get me out of here, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> I know, little sister. Gertrude was convicted of first-degree murder. Paul is convicted of second-degree murder and both received life sentences. Good. I wish so badly that that was the end of this, but oh, it isn't. Okay. Um, Paul receives a second trial and pleads down to manslaughter and is released nope. two years later. That's not manslaughter. I agree. Gertrude's paroled in 1985 and claims she has no memory of her attacks and torturous Sylvia. She dies in 1989 of lung cancer. Good. Agreed. Suck it, bitch. Yeah, for real, though. Paula moves to Iowa and changes her identity, and she's hired by an elementary school. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Stephanie marries, has kids, and becomes a school teacher. Nope. Richard, I abuse children for fun. Let me take care of your child. Hi, I like it when my boyfriend beats up my foster sister. Please make me a teacher. Um, Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John were convicted of manslaughter, and they're all released after two years. 
girls in Mexico or France, like France hearing that there's a nanny job in the States and coming over here and living here and working 18 hour shifts a day mm -hmm. and not being fed and being treated as a secondhand person, even though it's almost under the guise of legitimate employment. Mm -hmm. um, Sylvia's case isn't as, like, she's not an indentured servant in the sense that she was hired by, by Gertrude to work there. But the fact that she was a minor left by her father there and that and she's what they thought was illegitimate. Yeah. So from the beginning, she's socially isolated from her peers at school. Mm -hmm. And then Gertrude steps in and eliminates her outside connection to school. She unenrolls her. Yeah. She puts her in the basement. She's not even allowed to live in the house anymore. So at this point, and then she's inviting more people over. Absolutely. To like publicly humiliate and degrade and dehumanize her and reinforce this idea that she isn't a person. She's Gertrude's punching back. Yeah. And that in and of itself is a slave, which is the root of human trafficking. It's human slavery that's continuing. And um, in all of its forms, it's one human saying, I own you. You yeah. don't do what I want. And you don't get any say in the manner. So I think Sylvia 100% fits that, even though you're right. She isn't the, t you know what I'm saying? She isn't the stereotypical it's not what you would think of immediately. Absolutely. I think it shows that it's more widespread and oh, can, absolutely, like manifest in different forms. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God! Thanks for sitting through that with me. That was a lot. Yep, that was a heavy one. I didn't know some of that stuff either. Do you want to talk about it? Are you okay? I'm great. Yeah, great. I love it. I don't want to like focus on something less severe at all or minimize anything that we just discussed, but I, I do still appreciate the twins' names. That was nice. Yeah. I One can't of the imagine. Few good things in this story. I really can't imagine Diana after all of that, though, having been like so. Just on the street or whatever. Just, right. And she was also a victim in the manner because she didn't have any access to her siblings either. So that's another yeah. way that Gertrude is sort of, you know, control over. Did Sylvia. she know that her sisters were there? Yeah. But Gertrude very early on said that, that um, Jenny and Sylvia couldn't go see her. Why? We'll probably never know. I'm sure. There I was feel like no that reason, would, though. I feel like that she would be excuse, but there's Who, no reason. Did she try to claim insanity, Gertrude, or something like that, to get out of, like, to try to get a lower sentence or whatever? I'm not sure how the hell she could have, but because like it was very tried. obviously premeditated. This Hi, I'm gonna unroll you. Four months of physical, psychological, and emotional torture. Yeah, there's no universe that she was insane during yeah. her actions because that would mean. That for four months of her life, she lacked the ability to do right and wrong. But I think that's immediately disproven by like her inviting other kids and saying, yeah. like, "Hey, do you want to do this? I'll just teach you how." I think she knew wow. exactly what she was doing to do that. I think you have to. You have to almost go out of your way and be like, "Hey, kid. Yeah. Not only am I going to show you this, I'm going to make you think it's normal." Yeah. Yeah. So definitely evil incarnate. I stand by that statement. Ew. Yes. Entirely. I'm terrible. I said Corella DeVille earlier. I meant like the evil stepmom in Cinderella. That's what she looks like, not Corella DeVille. Oh, I totally agree. She definitely gives me evil stepmom vibes. Ugh, that's okay. a great comparison. I said Corella DeVille. Didn't mean it. I, mean, I thought about it afterwards and I was like, that's not who that is. <laughs> okay, well, this has been truly something. Yep, thanks, Amy. Of course. Thank you for co hosting with me. Welcome. Next week will be a. Uh, Oh, be something this. else. Not Here this. we go. Here we go. This is fun.